Teachings that do not speak of pain have no meaning, because humankind cannot gain anything without first giving something in return. In alchemy, to obtain something, something of equal value must be lost. This is Equivalent Exchange. Welcome to Equivalent Exchange, a podcast about Fullmetal Alchemist by Hiromu Arakawa. I'm Kayla. I'm Ellen. And I'm Kazum. And today we're discussing chapters 96 and 97. Yay! Holy Yay. cow! <laughs> Yeah, we're really getting so close far. to the end. Yeah. I know. I was looking at the schedule and I was like, there's not that many left. Mm-hmm. Not too many. It's like 11 chapters or something after this. Yeah. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. the amount. You did math on the fly. Nice. I did. What are you, a witch? <laughs> <laughs> I hope everyone appreciates the echoey audio quality that I'm bringing today. From now till probably the end of the series at this point. <laughs> Because I'm moving, so now my room is very empty. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> moving. I'm so tired, guys. Yeah. Well, it sounds good right now. So. Yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. Good. I don't. I don't really notice it, but I think when you edit, you typically pick up a little more than I usually hear. So. If I uh, turn my head up toward the ceiling and cackle, you'll definitely hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Were you planning on doing that? <laughs> I can't control how I feel. <laughs> don't you think if I could do that, I'd be much farther ahead in life? <laughs> I just, it's it just, just cackle with your up. head down like a villain. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, <that. laughs> just like that. <laughs> All right, good. I'll work on cultivating my evil villain cackle from now on. From now till September, at least. <laughs> hey, Cosm. Yeah. <laughs> like that. Did you not hear it? <laughs> no. <laughs> your boy is back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not for very long, but I guess guess we have to wait till next time. I guess we have to wait till Mm -hmm. next time, but he was back at the end. Mm -hmm. You got to build anticipation. I was like, I can't. Well, I saw the the chapter flipped over to like a color page and I was like, no, I want to read this now. (laughs) (laughs) It's fine. Next week, I guess. I guess that's what tonight is for. Yes. (laughs) After recording. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what the night of recording is. Reading the next chapters. (laughs) I mean, honestly, it'll probably just be me falling down into bed and being like, <laughs> with your face in the open book. <laughs> <laughs> with the with the open book on my face, likely. Yes. <laughs> well, before you can sleep, we're going to do our summary recap of 96 and 97 and then discuss uh, certain someone's return and everything else. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> also, I just want to point out our cameras aren't on. You won't know if I'm asleep or not. <laughs> Let's see what happened, and then we'll talk about Cosmo's favorite person briefly. It's I like guess. Cosm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my self-inserted original character. <laughs> my self-insert uh, <laughs> greed reader fic. <laughs> <laughs> it's just an ode to greed. Mm-hmm. And he's like, shall I compare greed to a summer's day? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go before I fall asleep sitting up. Let's do it. <laughs> Chapter 96 opens with the Briggs soldiers who infiltrated the command center, calling for their comrades outside to stop firing with the tank. Central command is now under the control of Briggs soldiers, they report over the radios. Thirteen prisoners, including General Clement, have been detained. I repeat, Central command is locked down and under Briggs control. Said General, now tied up along with his subordinates, grumbles with the realization that all the tank fire had just been to drown out the sounds of Izumi's tunneling. You got it, bub, Izumi confirms with a grin. The soldier on the radio continues his announcement, warning the central soldiers not to interfere with either the Briggs troops or Mustang's men, as any effort to do so will result in Clemen's head being separated from his body, a threat which greatly alarms Clemen. <laughs> As it should. Yeah. They came with a tank so that you know they're serious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Over in the main HQ building, the chaos of the fight with the doll soldiers nearly drowns out the announcement. But when it reaches Olivier, she picks up the receiver and asks for Buccaneer to be put on the line. This building is infested with one-eyed, pale-skinned humanoid creatures, she tells him. Not only are these things hard to kill, but they feed on human flesh. Whatever happens, do not open the gates. We can't let a single one of these creatures get loose in the city. Exterminate them all within the confines of the headquarters building itself. Aye, aye, Buccaneer replies, readying his auto alarm. Elsewhere in the building, another of the higher-ups looks at the damage outside and announces that they have to assume the command center has fallen and set up a new temporary command center here, in the Fuhrer's office. He eyes the Fuhrer's chair greedily, thinking that he just needs to survive this crisis, and then... 
but those dreams of power are immediately dashed as a horde of doll soldiers rush into the room and devour him and his subordinates. Well deserved. Mm -hmm. Right. Every time somebody gets greedy, a doll soldier pops up. <laughs> it's man's hubris. <laughs> it's representation of the struggle against the id. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you could actually make a pretty good essay about that, probably. I, I bet you could. Mm. Um, I can't right now, but <laughs> with the way they're like really childish in their demeanor and mm -hmm. and they're also I like I want this and mm -hmm. I want that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I want flesh, yes. etc. <laughs> <laughs> that's like mostly flesh. <laughs> mostly flesh i think they and they said that they're like soul i mean they're souls anyway yeah you could. <laughs> thanks for coming to our ted talk yeah i don't want to derail <laughs> mm -hmm. the summary at this point because it's only been like one paragraph probably yes so. <laughs> back with the armstrongs the fight goes on one of the central soldiers asks what exactly these things they're fighting are and olivier answers an army of immortals they were made by implanting human souls in artificial bodies. Soldiers who have no fear of death. No doubt you soldiers would end up like this if High Command had their way. The soldier reacts with understandable alarm, but any conversation is interrupted by Sloth beginning to stir again, slowly peeling himself off the bed of spikes Alex impaled him on. The soldiers are shocked that he can still move, shouting that it should be dead, and Alex raises his gauntlets and says, Then I'll just have to kill it again. Sloth complains about how much work dying is, then shoots off into a wall again. The siblings note that his aim is still bad, but then notice, a moment too late, as he turns to strike again, that his still healing body is giving him a wider attack. Alex starts to transmute more spikes, but Sloth slams through them, clipping both Alex and Olivier and knocking them painfully to the ground. Some of the soldiers try to rush over to help, but Alex shouts at them not to come any closer. It's after the two of us! Stay back! The soldiers hesitate, looking around uncertainly as Sloth lumbers back to his feet once more. Then one spots the chain still lying on the floor and grabs it up, calling out to his comrades. As Sloth attacks again, the soldiers pull the chain taut and manage, with extreme effort, to stop Sloth in his tracks. As they struggle to hold him back, they shout for the Armstrongs to hurry and get out of there, and the others still fighting the Doll Army call out for them to come this way, saying that they'll clear a path for them. Run away, Alex says, as a soldier comes over to help him to his feet. Nearly in tears, he shouts, You're asking me to flee the battlefield? Never! I won't disgrace myself again! But nobody has to make that call, as a burst of alchemical power sends several Doll soldiers flying, and Izumi strides into the room. I like the way you talk, she says to Alex, grinning and cracking her knuckles. You're a real man, though my husband is a thousand times a better man than you'll ever be. <laughs> Olivier starts to ask who she is, but Izumi interrupts to say, A female general? You must be Major General Armstrong. Your subordinates asked me to lend you a hand. Those meddling derelicts, Olivier says, smiling. <laughs> Aw. Aw, I know. <laughs> That's what she really meant was, I love you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> At that moment, Sloth breaks free from the other soldiers, who shout for everyone to look out. But Izumi simply steps up and takes on a fighting stance, then easily flips Sloth over her shoulder and through the air, much to everyone's comical, wide-eyed shock. <laughs> <laughs> All yours, honey, she calls out, and then Sig steps up to punch Sloth as he sails by, sending him slamming into the ground. Alex's eyes go wide as he recognizes his friend bound to him by the purity of muscles. <laughs> and as Sig... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you can't possibly expect that we wouldn't have laughed at that. <laughs> <laughs> and as Sig beckons him to join the fight, he leaps to his feet, shouting, My courage grows 100-fold! <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. It's the best. I, when I read it, I immediately texted Kayla, and I was like, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened in all of us. <laughs> the two of them proceed to deliver another elegant and excellent beatdown on Sloth, ending by impaling him once again on one of Alex's transmuted spikes. They share a manly handshake as Sloth slowly reacts with surprise to his new circumstances. <laughs> it's really good. <laughs> mm -hmm. This was foretold by their flex off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. When when I mentioned that, you know, like until like the very end I had forgotten about a lot of things. This was like the only thing I was like, I definitely remember this happening. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it's such a silly, like, one-off gag to call back to. But, mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's also perfect. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they use the power of friendship to destroy sloth. Yes. <laughs> friendship and muscles. <laughs> <laughs> sloth reaches up as though to crush the spike and get up once again. But it's his hand that begins to fall apart. Then the rest of his body, slowly disintegrating. Oh, I'm dying, he says. He repeats the question a few times, before deciding that thinking about it is too much work. 
His head falls back as he fades away, and with a smile, he says, Living is too much work. With the homunculus finally defeated, the exhausted and beat-up Armstrong slumped to the floor in relief, with Olivier muttering a very understated, Sorry, but I need a bit of a rest. Yeah, there's like blood coming from her eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just saying. She's like, I just need a second. I'm cool. Yeah, everything's fine. The other soldiers continue fending off the doll army, while Olivier turns to Izumi to thank her for her help. I'm guessing that you're a martial artist of some renown, she begins, but Izumi cuts her off to insist that she's just a housewife and an alchemist. You know the Elric brothers, don't you? Those boys were my students. Then you must be Izumi Curtis, Olivier realizes. She asks if the Elrics are also involved in this battle, and Izumi confirms that they're around somewhere. Olivier and Alex share a look, then start to get up on their feet again. Shall we take care of the remaining doll soldiers, Alex says, offering his sister a hand up, which he of course refuses. <laughs> Izumi protests that they both need to rest, but Alex smiles and says, You can't expect us adults to stay idle while there are kids out there fighting for their lives. The young will inherit the future, but right now we adults bear the burdens of the present, Olivier adds. So let's show the next generation how it's done. Izumi and Sig smile their approval and promise to help out. Though Izumi scratches at the back of her head and adds that they shouldn't get their hopes up too much. Apparently I'm one of those human sacrifices, so I'll fight for as long as I can, but I've got to make my exit before the big bads come for me. Meanwhile, deep underground, Hohenheim and Father face off. Father glares and Hohenheim gives an uneasy smile. So dour. Is that any way to greet an old friend? He says. What a bore you've become. You used to be so full of life, of emotion. Lust, greed, sloth, gluttony, envy, wrath, and pride. Humanity's seven deadly sins. It's true that any one of these in excess can lead to self-destruction. But on the other hand, those flaws are the very things that make us human. So why remove them from yourself? I do not wish to be human, Father says. I will become a perfect being. Alchemy sparks at his feet, and he begins to attack Hohenheim with big, dramatic transmutations, launching pillars under his feet and slamming stone hands and fists into him. Hohenheim reacts with his own transmutations, creating stairs to walk down from the pillars and doors to escape the slamming hands. Hey, that's dangerous, he protests. Cut it out. I'm not much of a fighter, you know. I love the way Hohenheim just kind of stumbles through every fight scene. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, evidenced once again. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, this is the best. When you know, He's like, oh no, when he gets like smacked by the um, by the hands and then he just like makes mm -hmm. a door to leave. Yeah. <laughs> but Father keeps lashing out without a word, so Hohenheim starts to strike back, transmuting a dragon from stone which clashes against one Father makes. So you don't want to become human, Hohenheim pushes. Then why did you keep those homunculi around and have them call you Father? When you were still in the flask, you used to mock the concept of family. But the truth is, what you really wanted was to have a family of your own, am I right? Father's eyes widen, and the clash comes to a stop for a moment. Then his eyes narrow and he looks down, before slipping right into the floor as though it were water. Hohenheim startles back and starts to look around, wondering what Father is trying to do. Is he planning to stay hidden until the National Transmutation Circle is activated? But it very quickly becomes clear that that's not his goal, as Father emerges suddenly from the ground behind Hohenheim and shoves his hand into his back. The Philosopher's Stone within you is now mine, he declares triumphantly. The energy seems to flow into him along his arm, bulging out the veins as it goes. But then something seems to go wrong, and Father yanks his arm free, startled. Hohenheim falls to his knees, and Father stares at his shaking hand with confusion. Finally, I see some emotions on your face, Hohenheim taunts. What have you done? Father demands, grabbing his wrist. Not much. But it was the one thing you never thought to do, Hohenheim says. He gets to his feet and turns to face Father again. Dwarf in the flask, you lost something very important when you gave up your emotions. A being with no feelings can never defeat us so easily. And that ends chapter 96. <laughs> Are you struggling under the weight of all your feelings, or what? No. <laughs> this is what too happens many next, we'll never know. <laughs> I think we'll, we'll know right now. Oh. <laughs> what a relief. Okay, I feel a lot better. Thank you. <laughs> like, pleasure. I thought it was cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter 97 opens with a flashback to shortly after the destruction of Xerxes. Hohenheim, wrapped in a tattered cloak and looking dazed, mutters to himself as he wanders through the eastern desert. I just want to talk to you, he says. Just listen to what I have to say, and I'll listen to you in return. Yes, that's right. You're not alone. He then stumbles and collapses to the ground. 
Sometime later, a caravan of people and camels passes by and spot him half-buried in the sand. They notice his golden hair and realize he must be from the west, and decide they should at least bury him. But as they come closer, they realize he's still alive, and quickly help him to sit up and offer him water. Can you understand what I'm saying? We are merchants from the Empire of Sheen, they say, helping him to his feet. Where were you headed? I have no place to return to, and no place to go, Hohenheim mutters, more to himself than his rescuers. I was too scared to stay at that place, so I ran away. The Sheen merchants are puzzled as he looks down and continues, I know. I'm sorry. I couldn't stop it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Back in the present, Hohenheim has a big speech for father. Sargens, the foreman, came from a long line of carpenters. He used to come to the palace often to make repairs. His son, Dozel, looked up to his father and was working hard to follow in his footsteps. Kaya, the florist's daughter, she was a gentle and compassionate girl. Sorry, the horse merchant, loved to drink. He and I got along well. Tommy, the young boy whose dream was to become a scholar. Gitarush, the cook. He was once fired for giving free food to travelers. My fellow slave, Andar, sure hated me for getting in good with the master. Zuli was a hardened criminal and was waiting to be executed, but he says he wants to strike back at you at least once before he dies. Those are the names of the people whose souls you just took into your body. They're cooperating with me for the sole purpose of defeating you. Father glares at him, clutching his still-shaking hand as the energy pulses angrily along his veins. The stone has individual personalities within it that are helping you, he asks in disbelief, but they're nothing more than energy. You think it's impossible, Hohenheim says. I'll admit, dealing one-on-one -on -one with all those trapped and angry souls nearly drove me insane, but I had all the time in the world to converse with them, thanks to the immortal body you gave me. Converse, Father repeats. Yep, which is exactly what you never did. There are 536,329 souls within me, and I've conversed in depth with all of them. With our combined strength, we'll destroy that vessel of yours. And the souls now within Father begin to retaliate from the inside, their energy forming together and piercing outward through his skin. Go back to where you came from, dwarf in the flask, Hohenheim says, as more spikes of soul energy burst out through Father's body. It seems to be doing the damage Hohenheim intends at first. But then Father opens his mouth wide and rather disgustingly ejects everything inside in the form of a huge, dark, gloopy mass. <laughs> With a glob and a glurk and a gluck. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then yeah. the zoos return. I was going to say, eventually <laughs> the zoo, the most important sound effect of all. <laughs> the mass forms itself into a vaguely human shape, which opens a very toothy mouth and promptly picks up and eats the empty skin it left behind. Hohenheim looks understandably disturbed as he watches this and the father blob grins its wide mouth and familiar glaring eyes open all over its body. You humans aren't the only ones who have evolved, it says. I don't know if I'd call that evolved. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I, I think what that means is, like, because he was always known to have to be in a flask. I know, I'm just joking. Because <laughs> oh. it looks gross. <laughs> it does. <laughs> <laughs> The uh, the homunculi are always always like being like oh you insects look down on us or whatever or like we look down on you insects or whatever and it's like yo you're the ones who are constantly like your limbs are all stitching back together and stuff like mm -hmm. <laughs> or in this case you got a ton of eyes <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't like the creepy like skin suit though yeah that was mm. unsettling <laughs> yeah well what's unsettling is he also like eats it yeah like, yeah. Even Hohenheim is like, ooh. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's like when Pride ate gluttony and everybody was like, uh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Meanwhile, Buccaneer is leading a squad of Briggs troops from the command center to the front gate of Central HQ. They note that the Doll soldiers have killed so many of the Central troops that suppressing them will be pretty easy, then move to take the gate. In the HQ building, Izumi and Sig are continuing to kick ass, with the other <laughs> soldiers following along and wondering if they're actually needed at all anymore. <laughs> <laughs> They eventually encounter an older general backed into a corner by advancing doll soldiers, screaming about how they were supposed to obey their orders, and wondering if that man lied to them. Izumi saves him, then, while he's in the middle of offering her a reward if she continues to guard him, punches him in the gut, making him double over. This man you were talking about, she says, leaning in close with a threatening glare. What can you tell me about him? Elsewhere in the building, the Armstrongs, accompanied by a group of Briggs soldiers, are making their way through the halls. They reach the Fuhrer's office, and one of the soldiers opens the door and calls out for General Armstrong to come and take a look. 
The group enters the room, taking note of the mess of blood and corpses all around. One of the brig soldiers grins and asks Olivier if they should set up her temporary command center here. She eyes the furious chair with a frown, then turns away. Why would anyone want to sit in a place that leaves them so vulnerable to snipers, she says. Let's go. Alex then draws her attention to a door at the side of the room, which opens onto a long, dark stairwell. Briggs troops descend down them a little ways, calling back up to confirm it seems to go very, very deep. Maybe this is where the doll soldiers came from, Alex suggests. And Olivier adds that if it is, it means it connects to the underground tunnels. A communications officer interrupts to pass on a message. Buccaneer squad has taken the front gate, encountering little resistance, and also successfully moving the tank to an advantageous position in the courtyard. Other messages soon follow, with each brig squad reporting in to announce their successful takeover of all the other gates. They reiterate the order to keep all the gates closed up tight until the doll army is destroyed, then pass their congratulations on to their general. 90% of Central HQ is under Briggs' control now. Though Fallman silently laments that Roy didn't make it in time, the rest of the troops begin to celebrate the victory. But then a new voice suddenly rings out across the radios. Hello, everyone. I'm back. Everyone reacts with shock as the voice continues. It seems there's been a lot of commotion while I've been gone. I will now personally assume command and eliminate the rebels. I order all Central City soldiers who are still able to fight to aid me. Olivier scowls, gritting her teeth in frustration as she snarls out, King Bradley. Oh my god, he's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> I couldn't tell by the mustache that it wasn't him. That it was, that it, I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't tell by the mustache. Yeah, that, that makes sense, right? <laughs> I want to see where he, how he climbed out of the canyon and walked back to Central or whatever. He's like, I climbed out of the canyon uphill both ways. <laughs> <laughs> He just used his sword to dig his own, like, cut, slice a tunnel back to the, <laughs> back to Central or whatever from the... From He's the like, who needs alchemy? <laughs> <laughs> I guess he can't really do alchemy. Cause, mm -hmm. And, like, we decided the homunculi can't really do alchemy. Mm -hmm. They mm -hmm. can, like, do it on themselves, but... Yeah, yeah they yeah. can regenerate, but it seems to be all they can do. He's like, I fought a bear to get back here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I fought a bear and then tamed it and rode it, like in Zelda. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Briggs troops all through HQ begin to panic slightly, looking around as they wonder where he's going to attack from. But Bradley isn't trying for any kind of sneak attack, and to everyone's shock, he strides right up to the main gate. Why should I enter my own palace from the back entrance, he asks, sword drawn and at the ready. Buccaneer, nervously reminding himself of the Fuhrer's status as a homunculus, orders the tanks to back up and for everyone to begin firing as Bradley begins to stride forward. Bradley, of course, dodges all the bullets and runs straight for the tank. The tank operators fire and seem to hit him dead on, but they only have a moment to cheer before Bradley's sword pierces suddenly through the small viewing window, instantly killing one of the operators. The other one quickly decides to advance and try to run the Fuhrer over, but he jumps up, scaling the tank and lashing out with his sword, which does enough damage to stop the tank dead. His last move is to toss the grenade he carried into the broken window. The tank blows up, and Buccaneer and the others stare in disbelief at this feat. He used a special eye. Yeah. <laughs> he beat up a tank. <laughs> he, beat, he, beat, he beat a tank in a sword fight. <laughs> <laughs> he was right to bring a, a, like a sword yeah. to a tank fight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but they don't have time to gawk, as Bradley is still coming. Buccaneer lashes out, and the two men clash for a moment. But Bradley's two quick sword maneuvers slice through both Buccaneer and his automail, and his arm shatters into pieces as he collapses to the ground, spreading blood. Fallman and the other Briggs soldiers cry out in alarm as they watch their comrade fall, and Bradley continues forward. He stops in front of Fallman, who stands before the gate, and says, What are you waiting for? Your master has returned. Open the gate. Fallman begins to tremble, but doesn't move, and Bradley repeats the order more forcefully. Sweat and tears begin to drip down Fallman's face as he slowly draws his gun and holds it aimed at Bradley in his shaking hands. I'm sorry, Colonel Mustang, he says, but I think I've reached the end of my road. Hey, bub, you don't cry when you're showing off your bravery, Buccaneer's voice calls out, startling Fallman. Still bleeding, he uses his teeth to wrap the disassembled chain from his broken automail around his remaining arm. Now step aside and let me show you how manly courage is done. Bradley stares at him, and Buccaneer lurches forward on shaky legs. What's the matter, Bradley? I can still fight. Ridiculous, Bradley says. That's what's known as reckless courage. He's exactly right, calls a new voice. Getting carried away by your emotions is downright idiotic. 
Everyone looks around in surprise, only to spot Greedling perched high above the gate. <laughs> Greed grins as he continues, but as irrational as they might be, I just can't bring myself to abandon those kinds of people. And that's the end of 97. No, I want to read yeah. more. <laughs> Yay. He's Yay. back. Mm hmm. <laughs> Your bow, Cosm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look at him in all his glory. <laughs> like, he's like, what's the coolest way for me to approach this battlefield? <laughs> I'm like, how, on second thought, how did Bradley even get there? He must, he must have tunneled or something. Because they locked all the gates. Didn't well, I think he's right outside he's the outside gate. He's outside the gate, yeah. Oh, okay. That's what he's I trying see. to yeah. get. That's why they're oh. um, trying to trying to fend him off still to keep the that gate big, closed. That big uh, that big door is the outside mm -hmm. of the gate. Okay, mm -hmm. I yeah. See. Which to me it looks like it's surrounded by giant teeth. I really don't like it. I, I don't know. You mean there's a... the stairs? No, no the the gate itself, like the the bricks mm -hmm. going around. I don't know. It looks oh. like a giant mouth with teeth, uh, with a gate a door inside. I think that's just trauma from the father blob. <laughs> yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm that's almost like positive that's what it was. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I see what you're saying. You mean all the stones around the gate. Yeah, they do. Mm -hmm. like big mm -hmm. open mouth with teeth. It's trauma from watching too many Studio Ghibli movies. <laughs> the master of square teeth. Big chunky teeth. <laughs> I really appreciate how the doll soldiers are always there to chomp people who get too mm -hmm. greedy. Mm -hmm. You know why Olivier didn't get chomped in the room? In the fierce <laughs> like throne room or whatever the fuck it's called? <laughs> Because she's a bit too busy being practical. Yeah, she refused oh. to throw. Yeah. That's what I said. She's yeah. saving it for Roy, in my opinion. <laughs> mm -hmm. He can get chomped, I guess. But the point <laughs> is, she refused to, She refused the seat and didn't get chomped. Mm -hmm. I like how her subordinates are like, should we set up your office here? Yeah, and she's <laughs> like, mm -hmm. nah, fuck that. Yeah. Like, All right. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> I like her constantly being like, She's like, well, who'd want to sit in a place where they could get sniped? And then I was thinking about it, and it's like, it is like a giant fucking window. Why would? Yeah. You <laughs> but yeah, she's just doing it because, in the end, she doesn't actually want the, the power. I guess, I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's sort of intriguing. Yeah. This is like the third time she's had, full access to the. I keep calling it the throne. Whatever his mm -hmm. seat. It's very mm -hmm. throne-like. <laughs> yes. And she also ordered the gates closed until they can. Feed all the dull soldiers to keep the citizens safe. Yeah, because she's smart. Mm -hmm. I love Olivier. <laughs> she's a great mm -hmm. character. <laughs> I feel like the longer the battle with Sloth, Sloth went on, the longer, the more like disturbing every time he regenerated was. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Until he started to die, and then his hand just like fell apart. <laughs> I was like, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, it's a really brutal fight on both ends, because, like, Alex mm -hmm. and Olivier are beat to shit at the end of this. Oh, yeah. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah, I was looking at them after, like I said, and I was like, man, there's, like, they're like, oh, we, we can't rest, and Izumi, and then we're like, you really should. Mm -hmm. There's, like, they're all bloody, like I said, like, mm -hmm. Olivia's, Olivia's got blood coming out of her eyes. It's like, yo, yeah. <laughs> like, you need mm -hmm. to calm down. <laughs> yeah, and she's got her arm in a sling later on. So. Yeah. Well, didn't mm -hmm. she say Sloth broke it or something? I forget. Well, I don't know if she said specifically, but that some bones were like slightly broken. Yeah, I think she said like, like just a fracture or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. And yeah. Alex was like, "Yeah, just a dislocation." And she's like, "Only a fracture." Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, the Black Knight who never gives up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like how they're like, "Well, if kids are out there fighting. We got to mm -hmm. keep fighting." Yeah, I enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. Can't yeah. expect us adults to stay idle while there are kids out there fighting for their lives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The adults bear the burden of the present. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I think that's one of the things that makes them such great characters. Both of them are so principled. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. um, like uh, Armstrong was coming to terms with not running again. Mm. Um, or well, I guess coming to terms with previously doing that by, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. staying this time and I mean, I guess that's the big one. Praised him for it, which was nice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, she came back and did some stuff. That was cool. Mm -hmm. Second best character, I think, and right? She punched right? a lot of stuff. <laughs> a yeah. lot of dolls. Yeah, this chapter is named after um, Izumi Olivier. and Olivier. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
I was like, mm-hmm. they are two strong women. This is great. <laughs> I was like, mm-hmm. two strong women. It can only be two people when I like, <laughs> <laughs> read the chapter before starting. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, yay. Olivier's meeting Izumi. This is the best day ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, speaking of like the like the principal characters, it's like, I joked before about, like, Olivier being, like, the Slytherin version of Roy, but it's, like, you do see, like, they have very mm-hmm. similar, like, principles, even if they approach mm-hmm. them in different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's kind of, like, a set of characters that we're primed to think are, like, good and moral mm-hmm. and whatever. And it's, like, you know, like, our main cast, but, and also, like, Olivier, Alice Armstrong, Roy, like, Risa, mm-hmm. Izumi, Sig. Yeah. And I like how, like, it was more... Im- is a little more ambiguous on like Olivier for a while, but mm-hmm. now it's like a hundred percent clear like where she is. Yeah, yeah. she's on. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I feel like we really knew all along, but I was like, but it could be. You yeah. Don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Yeah, it wouldn't have been out of place if she had turned out uh, bad, but evil. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. Ambitious. Yeah. Really. <laughs> the true Slytherin side. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> If she's a Slytherin, does that make Alex Armstrong a Hufflepuff? Probably. <laughs> yeah. He's absolutely. A, is he a good finder? His <laughs> <laughs> finding skills have been passed down the Armstrong line for generations. generations. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I really enjoyed the sparkly fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The muscular fight. Yeah. <laughs> like He's like a true friend. And yeah, I love that. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with it like clearly being like words exchanged like only through looks <laughs> yeah exactly mm-hmm. exactly that definitely they weren't said out loud but mm-hmm. <laughs> i bet you they stayed friends forever after this and they like wrote each other long really long rambling letters <laughs> actually no Al- alex armstrong's are really like long and rambly and sigs are just like very direct and to the point mm-hmm. but tender and caring yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's always like really happy when he gets one in the mail and Zoom, he's like oh did you get a letter from your friend <laughs> <laughs> he's like yes <laughs> well he never says anything just like because... quietly sparkling in the corner as he exactly reads mm-hmm. exactly and Izumi and Mason give each other a knowing look <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we brought headcanons today <laughs> Sig and Alex Armstrong, BFF headcanons. Yes. <laughs> My notes just say Sig and Alex Armstrong, BFFs forever. <laughs> Specifically, it says BFFs for the number four, EVA. <laughs> just in case anyone cares. This is the kind of quality note taking that I'm bringing today. I like that anyone close to the Armstrongs inherits the Armstrong sparkle. As Sig did. Sig did. You just you said you said the quote. It was like the uh, they had a excellent and elegant and excellent victory. El- yes, an elegant and excellent victory. They showed an elegant and excellent victory with their muscles, and therefore he can now sparkle like an Armstrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did anybody else find the sloth uh, death kind of disturbing or kind of? Di- I couldn't decide. Yeah, it's it was sort of oddly happy. Like sloth yeah, can finally rest. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, I feel like when Gluttony died, it was really sad. And we were like, mm-hmm. oh, no, Gluttony. Yeah. But, yeah. He, but Sloth first, just wanted a nap the entire time that's that he's yeah. been on screen. <laughs> that's true. Now he finally gets to rest. <laughs> but he's still like, I'm dying. I'm dying for like a couple seconds. And he's mm-hmm. like, what is death? Oh, well, it's too much yeah. work. Mm-hmm. And he then starts to get philosophical. And then it's like, philosophy's too much work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was like mm-hmm. fine, I guess, <laughs> which is how Sloth did everything. So yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, another one bites the dust. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now we're just down to pride rather than greed. And greed's mm-hmm. on our side, right? Because greed is a sling, and we love yeah. Ling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, maybe Lanfan will find him next time, <laughs> and then maybe they'll kiss. <laughs> <laughs> Like spoilers. <laughs> Great's like I'd be into it. <laughs> yeah, he's like I want, I want women, I want men, I want whatever, everything. 
You feel like I'm down for this weird threesome? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and so were we in our fan our fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> I liked the confrontation between father and the homunculus, which I'm sure isn't over since it was basically just like, mm -hmm. just left. I mean, by father, I mean H Hohenheim and mm -hmm. father mm -hmm. is what I meant to say. Yeah. You all knew what I meant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, well, unless you meant the fight between the homunculus and, or the weird blob and the skin. <laughs> that would have that. That was that a, a very long fight. <laughs> <laughs> just wriggled out of his suit and then ate it. <laughs> like a lizard <laughs> another gecko for one for the books yes <laughs> but I enjoyed the confrontation because Hohenheim was like oh you cast off all the things that make you human and because mm -hmm. you're not a human you'll never be you don't understand humans and you don't have feelings you'll never be able to defeat us like we will mm -hmm. we'll defeat you and I yeah. was like yeah mm -hmm. the theme Hohenheim. the main theme yeah <laughs> And Hohenheim drew attention to the fact that he's like, I don't want to be human. I don't care about families, but has all these yeah. homuncula he calls mm -hmm. children and what a calls himself father and everything. Mm -hmm. He's like, well, you were just jealous, weren't you, you weirdo? Mm -hmm. And the homunculus is like, I don't care. So petulant. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what happened, little... right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, you got confirmation of your um, philosophers of the East and West. Uh... Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was mm -hmm. right. Thing. Yeah. I mean, it's well, called the two philosophers. Yeah. Exactly, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One other thing I like is that, like, when they have the brief moment where they like clash the like stone dragons together, that Hohenheim's mm -hmm. is like an Eastern style dragon, and yeah, Father's yeah, yeah, is like a Western style one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I also liked. Um, well, I thought the scene where they picked him up in the desert was interesting because mm -hmm. he's obviously mm -hmm. like talking to the souls, not like yeah. Talking to the chain dudes. Yeah. And I was like, oh no. Like, you mm -hmm. can tell mm -hmm. that he's kind of like out of his mind. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah. He said it almost yeah. made him go mad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He did have a long time to talk to 536,329 people. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't think I've talked to that many people in my whole life. That was half, right? Because, yeah. mm -hmm. um... well, Father got the other half. Father yep. has the other half. Yeah. A million people. It was a pretty big yep. civilization. Yeah. Mm -hmm. hmm. Now he wants to take over all of a mistress. It must be even bigger. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Actually, it's kind of interesting that I guess we kind of got, like, the homunculus's goal. Like, he doesn't, he wants to become mm -hmm. a perfect being, whatever that mm -hmm. means. Mm -hmm. So it's yeah. not really to create an immortal army and do all these things. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, I think we've known for a long time that that's like a means to an end, mm -hmm. you know, to get the cooperation mm -hmm. of the military. Yeah. But it's not clear exactly what he wants, but he says, the homunculus says, I want to become a perfect being. I will become a perfect being. So, yeah. 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 I like the, um, like the reveal of the whole thing with Father or with Ho Hohenheim and the souls, which you're talking about. It's like, it's like that's been like foreshadowed for a long time. Like even oh, back yeah. when Hohenheim was still a weirdo that we didn't understand. Like <laughs> he had that scene where he was like calling out the names and mm -hmm. like it all makes sense. Planting now. like a soul energy into the ground. Yeah, doing yeah. something. We still don't really know what he yeah. did, but yeah, it makes mm -hmm. sense. But it's like that's mm -hmm. why he was calling them by name and And then he called them all by name when he was like, Oh yeah, you absorbed these guys and now they're gonna fuck you up and then yeah. they did, which was great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was like, That's pretty rad. You guys yeah. are cool. You're right, yeah. <laughs> It is interesting that the homunculus slash father just thinks of the souls as energy, but Hohenheim is like, no, 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 they're individual people. And I feel like mm -hmm. that was foreshadowed a long time ago back in when when they showed the flashback, when the flashback to Xerxes was shown, where he can hear them all screaming and stuff, like he can mm -hmm. hear them all talking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like it's, um, like, there's the implication that, like, without someone like Hohenheim, like, talking to each of them and, like calming them down and affirming their like individuality they kind of like melt into it like screaming identityless the mass soul void. like yeah mm -hmm. the soul void well then it's like and like the doll soldiers like the reason they mm -hmm. kind of have that id-esque you know like desire is because they're not treated as like individuals or they have this kind of like, yeah yeah it's just like the very basic like aspect of being alive mm-hmm mm -hmm. and actually what they they it's kind of interesting because they're like, I want a body, give me flesh. So like the interpretation of that is that they're, they're like chomping all the people, but it's mm -hmm. kind of like, 
it's almost like they as souls they don't realize they're like in a body or whatever it's kind of interesting mm -hmm. yeah and i mean i feel like we've seen this in a lot of other times in the series too like when uh like in the envy fight when mm -hmm. in the yeah. in, inside gluttony <laughs> yeah <laughs> where they were all saying stuff and ed was like what's up with that and then mm -hmm. you know the one was kind of like happy to be released to like use to help them it seemed yeah, yeah. And then uh, it felt the same way. I mean, I think I think this was after they right after they got out with the fight with father and all of them. Ed had a gun and couldn't shoot the mm -hmm. little face that Envy made. Mm -hmm. That was so you know it was, again similar, similar vibes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like um... <laughs> I almost said the Lionel. Heinkel, <laughs> Heinkel, Heinkel was like people. <laughs> people just want they want to help. Like they want to mm -hmm. protect what they care about. Which yeah. kind of like mm -hmm. felt, like enabled Al to use the stone, mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. I feel like that's also kind of a related idea. Yeah, yeah. That there's still individual souls mm -hmm. in the stone, but they want to like be able to to do good and help. Yeah, it's like they still have their like core desires. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, and it sounds like you kind of suppress that, mm -hmm. like you're if you're father or whatever, and you don't care if you're the homunculi yeah. and you don't care. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but uh, someone like Hohenheim who has you know like empathy he starts mm -hmm. out all weird and then he was he's this <laughs> he's the most tuned in one of all right mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah someone who has empathy like Hohenheim can do do an even better job like using like working with the souls in the philosopher's stone to like mm -hmm. do things mm -hmm. yeah. interesting Hohenheim mm -hmm. has such a great arc which is kind of, it's kind of funny to say because like most of so it happened weird. before the story started but like just mm -hmm. the way it's revealed to us is so good oh yeah mm -hmm. um I, th I think that's one of the reasons why he's such a great character is that it, you get all these little bits that are that are foreshadowed shadowed too and then you get it and you're like oh mm -hmm. oh well, and it just keeps keeps going yeah i thought you were, yeah. gonna, thought you were mm -hmm. gonna be sketchy mm -hmm. like we're primed to think that he's horrible because ed says he's horrible mm -hmm. and, and he looks like the looks father creepy yeah. guy underground yeah and, yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yeah. he was like Hohenheim was like the original victim in all mm -hmm. of this. Mm -hmm. So, and he just wanted to have a happy family, and he cried in the photo. Like you never get to mm -hmm. see his face in the photo, and it turns out yeah. that he was crying. I love that twist because it's like at first it seems mm -hmm. like it's like oh they're just hiding his face. So it's not as obvious that he looks like identical to father. Mm -hmm. and it's like it's like no, because mm -hmm. no. he was crying. It's <laughs> so sad. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good. So one thing that does bother me a little bit about him mm -hmm. is, especially for someone who's so in tune with the Philosopher's Stone, I feel like he kind of just uses it very haphazardly. Like, I don't know, because he, he, he stumbles along the fights and just uses his Philosopher's Stone powers just throughout, like to make the stairs and to make the door in a very like, well, I don't know. I, well, he's I using it to fight it. father. He doesn't did really he, like true. use the stone to make the door, though. Like he also just is really good at alchemy, isn't he? But doesn't have a circle, and I think unlike. Yeah, but Ed and Al. Yeah, but I don't know if he could have made a door. You think it's because he has access to the stone that he can do those things? Yeah. I think it Although... probably is, but I don't think it's careless. It's like hmm. he's fighting father, which is the whole yeah, goal that he talked that's with true. all the souls into. You don't see him like carelessly using it to like, I don't know, make a like fix <laughs> no, a fix like radio or something. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. That's true. Um, the only times you see it is like like I think the only times we've seen school, it really yeah. is alchemy is um, helping pride. is helping Azumi, fighting pride, right. and now fighting father. Mm hmm Well and then meeting pride. In the tunnels in oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Lior, mm -hmm. yeah. To walk but, through the um, in the water or whatever. Yeah. To declare yeah. war on father. Yeah, to deliver <laughs> a message. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, like, he's also supposed to be one of the human sacrifices. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess they said the reason they're human sacrifices is because of their character, not because of their the fact that they've been through the portal or not, which was kind of implied by... Mm -hmm. like, I think they're... An um, owl? Yeah. But... I think... Um, I'm not sure if this has become clear yet, but I think it's like, if you're a confirmed human sacrifice, you've gone through the portal, and if you're a potential human sacrifice, oh. they think you have the, the ability and the uh, character Chutzpah. to potentially open the portal. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, like Roy, because they mentioned before because they talk about um, Roy's a potential. Sorry. Oh, sorry. Hmm? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they refer to Roy as a potential candidate, and when Al like first transmuted in front of the in front of Lust after going through the port after remembering going through the portal. 
She says, like, oh, I didn't want to kill a, a confirmed human sacrifice or whatever. Like, right. Mm-hmm. True. Like, Hohenheim hasn't necessarily been through the portal, but he seems to... He I has. Feel like yeah. When uh, Xerxes... The transmutation mm-hmm. for Xerxes, both um, Homunculus and Hohenheim went through the portal yeah, so and saw them he, getting disintegrated, so, yeah. So he can do all those things without a circle, probably. Yeah, I guess so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he probably uses, like... The same kind of like transmutation that Ed would use, like if he's using mm-hmm. something like not fighting, like yeah. a life or death battle. But <laughs> and I was thinking mm-hmm. like these transmutations that he does actually remind me of stuff that Ed and I'll do. Like yeah, I was thinking that with the door and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, making stairs and whatever. Yeah. I think he's actually just better at it than Ed now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, he has more experience. That's it's been a lot yeah. mm-hmm. for a long period of time. <laughs> And also, yeah, yeah I think I mean, he's right, implied he to be philosopher stone powers, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I'm not sure yeah. that he is. Mm-hmm. Like he's that not. Makes sense. He's not using something that isn't there. Is I guess the point. So yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think he is implied to be like one of, if not the most, like skilled alchemist in the series. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, the father of alchemy. He made well, the, yeah. that's right. <laughs> yeah. He's the philosopher from the mm-hmm. West. I think about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I do like how. Um, like his store is much more practical and simple than Ed's stores that are always like yes. have like skulls and <laughs> horns on them. <laughs> Ed definitely would have made one that was like a huge like you know rod iron door or something yeah. that was intricately carved. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. With like a dragon funny. skull in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> I like how Father said he specifically talked to all all of the souls. I think mm-hmm. I said the number already. Five hundred thirty six yeah. thousand three hundred and twenty nine. So mm-hmm. many. Yeah, and I like how he gives like a lo- one line like story for all the ones that mm-hmm. got sent into mm-hmm. Father. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I did like that. I definitely didn't like the homunculus sloughing off the skin suit and eating it though. Which yeah, we've already <laughs> yeah. discussed multiple times. But I was just like, that's not necessary. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it seems like he doesn't need to be contained anymore or whatever. He has mm-hmm. some kind of self containment with his shadows and his zooping and his eyes. Mm-hmm. His mouth, like the big eye opening in like the ceiling or whatever. Yeah. At the end of that panel, or whatever, mm-hmm. or just whatever the effect of the eye in the background, yeah. whatever, whatever mm-hmm. it is. I was like, that's ominous. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess the homunculus doesn't need to be in some kind of container anymore. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Which is a horrifying yeah. thought. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that had been like Hohenheim's working theory. He's like. He's like, it's still the same dwarf in the flask. I think if we destroy his container, he'll die. Or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like, not so much. Mm, maybe Hohenheim will think mm. of something though. Yeah, he's got a lot of soul friends to help him out. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, I'd like to pull the audience. <laughs> <laughs> Any ideas? Anyone? <laughs> Anyone? <laughs> well, I guess we'll find out soon, mm-hmm. but probably not too soon. I enjoyed Izumi. Like punching the shit out of the guy that was like freaking out mm-hmm. and was like, "Yeah, <laughs> you were supposed to help us." And she's like, "Tell me more about this." <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I enjoyed the fact that they, I mean, the fact that Izumi and Sig were there just in general mm-hmm. made me happy. Oh yeah. And like that they're just mm-hmm. like plowing through all the doll soldiers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the soldiers just kind of like following behind, like, uh, "Can we help at all?" Or. <laughs> <laughs> I was um like excited that bradley came back but then also horrified i was like mm-hmm. it's yeah. him. Whoa, he's going for the tank oh no he's going for the tank whoa it's like yeah. chopping a buccaneer's arm oh no now he's chopping mm-hmm. a buccaneer's arm yeah the whole time uh-huh. like, yeah like it's a but no it's yeah cool. it's an undeniably badass entrance <laughs> it was pretty cool oh yeah i was like mm-hmm. i wish i could oh, yeah. feel good about mm-hmm. you being here yeah i was like look at him go oh no look at him go <laughs> and like he's just like real casual like hey guys i'm back mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're like fuck because yeah. I mean, I think they know he's renowned for his mm-hmm. his prowess mm-hmm. on the field of battle. So. Yeah, yeah. I liked um, Fallman's little moment of bravery. I know. Mm-hmm. I like the buccaneer was like, "Let me show you how to not be how to not." Yeah, yeah. Like, he's like, "Don't cry while you're being brave." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but I love when characters are like scared out of their minds, but still standing mm-hmm. up for mm-hmm. something. Yes, yeah, so it's important. Yeah. And Fallman, we know, wasn't Fallman wasn't one of the ones who had 
Remember uh, Fallman was like, hey, is that you, Havoc, or whatever? And they're like, oh, I hate working with people who haven't been on the battlefield before. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. this was probably the first confrontation he's really been in. So, of course, mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. I see. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's facing off one of the most powerful people in the world. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, like, just the visceral reaction of Bradley mm-hmm. stabbing the guy through the window in the tank. Yeah. It's like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. And Buccaneers uh, <laughs> refusing to die and just... <laughs> Wrapping his chainsaw chain around his other arm. It's like, it's okay, I can still <laughs> fuck you up. Yeah. Get ready, Bradley. At first I was like, no, not Buccaneer. And then he got up and I was like, yay, he's not dead yet. Yeah. Yeah. He's not yet dead. No, it doesn't mm-hmm. look good for him, but. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, most importantly, your boy is back, as I stated mm-hmm. before. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm excited for next time. Because, mm-hmm. like, Greed, yeah. v- Greed v. Wrath is, like, the best fight. And he was yeah. the only one so far who's really been able to land a blow, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is, I guess, Greed v. Wrath Part 3, technically. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. Cause, because the first time, the first time, Wrath won. Mm-hmm. The second time, Greed got away. Yep. And now this is the third time. So now this is the mm-hmm. redemption, right? Right? That's how the rule of three works. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes. It has to, right? Um, that reminds me of, uh, you know, we were talking about the souls of a philosopher's stone sort of having individuality and all that. Mm-hmm. The fact that greed has his own memories and all that kind mm-hmm. of also shows that as well. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's yeah. a good point. Mm-hmm. Also Ling retaining his individuality within that too, the souls yeah. that make up greed. Mm-hmm. 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 In the soul void, as yeah. you said. Which I think is, yeah, which I think is both Ling's, um, you know, tenacious spirit and also greed being you know the kind of person to talk to the soul that's talking to him from within mm-hmm. i love all these characters they're so <laughs> mm-hmm. good so when we finish this uh, do we just go back to the beginning and then start over again <laughs> that's what i usually do mm-hmm. <laughs> it's really good then you can more deeply appreciate their character arcs you'd be like oh they started all the way back here look at them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then I'll finally understand everything about the series, right? Right? Mm-hmm. There won't be anything mm-hmm. that's left uncovered. You're like, what? <laughs> Except for the um, tree of life and. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Are you saying oh, right. I won't understand Kabbalah when we're done with this? Well, what a waste. According to them, I can understand from YouTube, though. <laughs> I meant to send you this thing, but I saw this really funny, like, Zodiac post that was all like, Remember, it's like it's Leo season and there's going to be like these astrological events and you're the, remember, you're the creator, you're the architect in your own life using your light to create things. And I was like, oh my God, I can't even with this. <laughs> like I enjoy the occasional horoscope, but I was like, I just, I really, I should find it again. You're like, it's really funny. you're like shaking your fist at the sky going, Sephiroth. <laughs> <laughs> I control the light. I'm manifesting my destiny. I am a creator. <laughs> I under- therefore I understand, right? Mm-hmm. That's how it works. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Hold on. If I start pontificating about it on YouTube, that will mean that I understand, right? Yeah. If you just say it with enough confidence, <laughs> that's how then they you, all then seem you become to work. the expert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the expert that I'm trying to listen to, being like, I okay, like I follow, I follow, but like, what mm-hmm. the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I understand all the words you're saying. Mm-hmm. We haven't had esoteric bullshit corner in a long time. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Ever since this became a zombie, uh, I feel like ever since this <laughs> became a zombie story, we've had like it ego super ego corner, but never yeah. <laughs> no more uh, mm-hmm. no more esoteric bullshit corner. <laughs> yeah, I feel like most yeah, of the yeah. esoteric bullshit is in the middle of the story. You get yeah. everyone, yeah, everyone's symbolic doors and shit, right? <laughs> and also just like getting everybody on board with like the underlying concept of alchemy and it's like yeah. I already bought in like you didn't have to yeah. like mm-hmm. the dragon's pulse and like the difference between the two alchemies and whatever yeah. and mm-hmm. talking about Chinese alchemy and stuff like that mm-hmm. <laughs> when they when the yeah, feel like picked him up I was like oh no are they going to give him mercury like <laughs> or whatever it was <laughs> wasn't that the thing where they were yeah. like oh yeah we used to be treating people with mercury and then then the philosopher from the West came, and now we use alchemy. Yeah, I feel like it's uh, like at this point in the story arc, I was just like, okay, everyone's good on the alchemy shit, right? Now let's just go nuts. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Time for zombies. Yeah. It's like yeah, yeah. I'm bought into the idea that you can attach souls to things, which is really all that you needed. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, there really are so many. It's like 
concepts that are like introduced at the beginning that just get like like stretched out to like they're very logical extremes like like you start at the beginning you're like okay al is a soul attached to a human ar- to a suit of armor i can buy that and then it's like all this other stuff with souls being <laughs> swapped around and attached to things and yeah and like oh and then yeah. barry the chopper's like body meeting his soul and stuff like that yeah and like <laughs> Then he could finally die, and then there's like Hohenheim being like, "These are my soul friends, and they're all yeah. helping me." <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like it's beyond. He has a bunch of souls attached to his physical body, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's essentially yeah. what's happening here. And that's yeah, what the homunculi like, are. Part of him, yeah. That's what the philosopher's mm-hmm. stone is. Yep. In fact, a philosopher's stone is kind of similar to like the dolls from the doll army, where it's just like it's got a bunch of it's a little object with a bunch of souls in it, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Guys, I'm putting it together. Oh, I'm finally understanding Ed, Kabbalah. Huh? <laughs> Ed, Ed used himself as a Philosopher's Stone. He did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, one of the most empowering moments in the series, I that think. That was really that. great. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, that's, he um... knows how to use his light as a creator. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it is really yeah, cool where he's like, I have, this is my, I have my own energy and I can use myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that whole, like, mm-hmm. things. Yeah. yeah, that, like, I'm a philosopher's stone with one soul's one worth soul. of energies. Like, that's a line that, like, really s- stuck with me for some reason. It's just, like... Yeah. I know, it's kind oh, of interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's just... It's, yeah. There's a lot of messages <laughs> in the story about, like, being with other people and that making you stronger and whatever. But then sometimes it's, like, you're going to be all alone. And sometimes you need to rely on yourself. And I feel like that's mm-hmm. kind of the message we go with Ed a lot, where he's, like, I can do this thing because I know how to do this and like having confidence in yourself and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of interesting. And he's yeah, been, I think like, there's like dinged for being overconfident and stuff too. Right. Yeah. Like, in the earlier part. Yeah. Of the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's a mix of like, like relying on other people, but trust also trusting in yourself and taking responsibility for mm-hmm. yourself and things like that. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh no, they're coming to get me. Coppers. <laughs> my my so... knowledge of Kabbalah is too strong. <laughs> she knows too much. <laughs> <laughs> She's going to use the light. <laughs> I'm going to manifest my own destiny. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> I feel like that's the wrong esoteric bullshit. Uh, we've talked a lot about... Well, okay, no, we talked about a lot about the Kabbalah and how it's... I don't... None of us understand it. Mm-hmm. No matter how hard we try. But then I just realized... Does Arakawa understand it? Did she try? <laughs> is this her bullshitting like the whole thing? I think this she is has her, her own. Like, this is her YouTube video. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> so let me tell you about. Let me tell you about alchemy. I think. That, I think she. I, re- like I think she read it. Was like interesting. Interesting. Now I'm gonna cast aside about half of yeah. that and yeah. <laughs> pick and choose from the thoughts. rest for my story. <laughs> it's sci-fi. Like there's a lot of like use of religion yeah. in sci-fi, basically. Mm-hmm. Where it's yeah. like now we have our own thing. Here. Yeah. So I feel like Arkha has taken the ideas and sort of like, you know, like yeah. almost like quoted that them, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. But maybe she does. Maybe she's a Kabbalah master. We'll never know. <laughs> she's had a lot of success. I'm just There's one of the little like intro comic things that she does. Those like little one panels of herself and the, the cow or whatever, and it like mm-hmm. where it like talks about like all the like random ass bullshit books she's like bought over the years and. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It was like, technically, it's research, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to have a weird esoteric bullshit library. It's all for mm-hmm. research. Mm-hmm. I want to be friends with Arakawa. I know. Mm-hmm. Arakawa, if you're out there, <laughs> call me. <laughs> <laughs> that's, how, that's how you make friends, right? Like yes. that. <laughs> Creepily whisper, call me you, over a public you podcast. Talk, right, you talk about their work for hours and hours and hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> then you whisper, call me on a public podcast. <laughs> Is there any other esoteric bullshit things that we want to talk about this time? I think we did a pretty good run on esoteric bullshit. <laughs> yeah, I know. I told you, I understand mm-hmm. how to use the light to create. <laughs> I understand how to use God's light now. I hope no one's offended. <laughs> but I think they know what they're getting into by now. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Blasphemy Hour. Yeah, it's not Esoteric Bullshit Corner, it's Blasphemy Corner. <laughs> yeah, I think they got the hit by the fact that we call it Esoteric Bullshit every time we bring it up. <laughs> no, matter, no matter what it is. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I think we covered everything I want to talk about. <laughs> okay, good. Oh, you don't want to talk more about Kabbalah? <laughs> it's like always and never. 
<laughs> like simultaneously. Yes. <laughs> okay. What are we going to read next time? Next time, we are going to read 98 and 99. Whoa. Oh, wow. Only... What's our next three? I think I after that. There's no... Oh, okay. I've got one more three. I think it's I think it's like 101 to, or 100 to 102, I think. Because you said there's 11, there's 11 chapters left. So there must yep. be at least one three. Yeah. 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 Unless we do a one. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, thank you all for listening. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> oh, you sound so hesitant. Oh, it was a very, like, a yes. bittersweet. I like, want to talk about you. Greedling. Greedling, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. We'll talk about Greedling. You know what you... And over a week. Oh, right. Right. building is infested with <laughs> this building infested with burb <laughs> <laughs> this building is always infested with burb <laughs>and like uh paraglide and mm-hmm. whatever i want to play zelda i was gonna say anyway that's mm-hmm. a preview of our zelda podcast <laughs> <laughs> it's a preview of our zelda podcast like a year from now when we actually get to breath of the wild <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it's like ever spoilers until then or whatever <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's gonna be a long time a week and two days actually it's gonna fly because i'm gonna be in vacation where are you going <laughs> Uh, the mountains. The mountains. Uh, Are you going to fight bears? You know, <laughs> no. Are you going to bring them to the stable? Are there any uh, military bases that I could raid? <laughs> and there's only black bears. I don't know if I think you can ride them. Mm. They're not as big as the big bears. Mm-hmm. Maybe you could ride a black bear. Probably. I think they're um, sturdy. <laughs> <laughs> but they're also tumbly because they're bears. <laughs> <laughs> That's how bears work, right? Let's see. Can you ride a black bear? No, I'd say uh, an adult male black bear ranges from 130 to 660 pounds. So if you got a oh, mid-sizer, 130 to 660 pounds. Oh, so it's a big range. Ma- yeah. yeah. Probably like depending on the time of year and stuff too. Yeah, but, uh, right. Mm-hmm. When they come to hibernation, they're 100, whatever, 160, 200 pounds or whatever. Yeah. And then so if you find they... a mid-range or larger black bear, I think you could ri- safely ride it. <laughs> Safely for the black bear. I don't know if he would be say. safe. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not give him ideas. <laughs>
Don't try to write a black bear. <laughs> Is that our PSA yeah. in this episode? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not telling them what to do. Get vaccinated. <laughs> Get vaccinated and don't ride black bears. <laughs> That's our safety advice, and just those two things. I think we're we're giving pretty good advice these days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I forgot we were still recording. <laughs> I was once trying to explain to someone who'd never seen my na- my neighbor Totoro, as, but had know what knew what Totoro was, like why Totoro mm-hmm. is scary, and I was like, you don't understand. Like he has a huge mouth. Like, yeah, he looks cute when he's static, but when he's screaming, he's not cute anymore. And they were like, I refuse to believe you. And I was like, all right. He's got a definitely a mischievous sort of like, he's up to shit. You You don't, yeah. Like, (laughs) you think he's he's being nice. It's like he wouldn't, but he could. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) He's like, oh, let me just call the cat bus for you. (laughs) But. Then he's all mischievous or whatever, and they grew the plants, but he just, like, mm-hmm. showed up in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. Who knows what he's planning? It's a shifty, yeah. shifty Totoro business. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I need to take a nap. <laughs> Good, luck Good luck on the move and all that. Offer to help, but you know, <laughs> like, well, the border's still closed. So. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> it's like we're with you in spirit, moving boxes and eating pizza and beer. That's how, that's how moving works, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You mm-hmm. you buy food for everyone who helps you. Mm-hmm. Just meet on the border and like reach yeah. your hands across. <laughs> <laughs> Touch hands. Yes. <laughs> They'll be like, no, you can't do that. COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Have three feet on one border and three feet on the other border. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't stay six feet apart.